Let me get you to take your Bibles uh, with me this morning and turn over to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4, I do not have the page number of that in our Black Pew Bibles that we have around the auditorium for our guests, but um, hopefully you can find that uh, in the first uh, third of the Bible back in the Old Testament. First uh, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles are all kind of lumped there together. Second Kings records the uh, event in the life of a lady that we don't know her name. We only know her as a great woman from the town of Shunem. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us, With all this care, what is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. And she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, That he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, 
She caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take thy staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any man salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her, and Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went again to meet him, Elisha, and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. And then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to 2 Kings again this morning, 2 Kings chapter 4 in your Bibles today. 2 Kings Chapter number four. Across America, preachers are preaching on mothers and motherhood today. You know, motherhood's always in the news at some level. Life's decisions and situations in our culture on multiple levels. Mothers or motherhood is always in the news. And preachers are preaching on motherhood across America today. Many preachers have struggled about what to address on the subject of motherhood. I know I have over the years. I can remember early in my ministry, way back, way, way, way back, in the early years in Canada, on Mother's Day, we had a big promotion. We had... A couple of buses that ran, and, and we had a big promotion for Mother's Day, and we had some mothers that had never been there before, and, and I preached on hell. <laughs> you know, I didn't start off smart, and I'm still trying to catch up. Over the years, it's, uh, uh, it's always uh, a question preachers ask themselves and ask God, God, what aspect of motherhood should I preach on? I remember early in my ministry, I, I remember that on, on Mother's Day, I would preach from Proverbs 31 on what the perfect mother is like. And I would preach it in such a way that nobody could measure up to Proverbs 31. So all the moms went away discouraged because they didn't measure up to Proverbs 31 in every, every aspect. It took Betty a while to, to help me uh, learn uh, a little bit more about uh, preaching on Mother's Day. And uh, I hope I've improved a little bit over the years. And so preachers have been struggling. What do I deal with on Mother's Day? You know, the, there's a range of possibilities. Preaching on what's happened in our culture to motherhood. The change in attitudes about what motherhood's all about. The loss of precious things regarding motherhood. 
Maybe there'll be some preachers today that'll preach about the backlash of the Supreme Court's leak last week and the, uh, all the politically charged things that have happened this last week and the churches today who have demonstrators at their front doors of churches across America today protesting churches' celebration of Mother's Day as a backlash of what happened this last week. Maybe some preachers will address something to do with all of that. Some will preach on the quality and beauty of motherhood, which is a subject that is always um, precious to my heart because of my mom and because of my wife, the mother of our children. There's a lot to be said about the quality and about the beauty of motherhood. Well, I went way back to 1996, the very first Mother's Day at Community Baptist Church. I looked up to see what event in the Bible I addressed on that last, or on that first Mother's Day of the ministry here at Community Baptist Church. And I found that on that day, I preached about a great woman whose name we don't know. She was a great woman. And all that we know about her is found in one little uh, section of the Word of God where God addresses this great woman from the village of Shunem. And as I considered that and thought about that and prayed about that, I thought, that I felt impressed that maybe that's what God wants us to look at for a few moments this morning. The great woman from the the village of Shunem. And and in this, this series of episodes in her life, this is what we know about her in 2 Kings chapter 4 and and it appears as three episodes in her life. God gives us a little a little keyhole uh, shot into her life at three different episodes of her life. And from those three episodes, we see the composite picture of a woman who was great in her character and great in her faith. And as such, she has come down to us all these 3,000 years since she lived as a great example of the character and faith that is embodied in so much of motherhood and the blessings in our lives. Well, this comes from the Old Testament. You remember how that God used some kings to reign over his people, the nation of Israel. There was David, and there was, there was Saul, there was David, and there was Solomon. And then after Solomon, the kingdom divided into two. And, and in the northern kingdom, there was a preacher by the name of Elisha. Elisha was the prominent man delivering the messages of God to the northern kingdom. And if you're a good Bible student, you'll remember that the northern kingdom was apostate. From its beginning to its end. And so Elisha was a preacher in a country that had once known God, but had turned away from God and began to serve idols. And yet there was in that country still some people who knew God and worshipped God and honored God. And this great woman was one of them. And so God gives us a glimpse into her life and her interaction with the man of God, Elisha. Now, uh, could you throw off that map for me? I always like to show something for those who are really studious in their study of the Word of God. The story revolves around Shunem. Here's the uh, Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. This is the area where Shunem, the village where she lived. And the story has to do with her in Shunem and Elisha in Mount Carmel. And it was about 30 miles to go from Shunem up to Mount Carmel. And so the story revolves around 
the life of this woman in Shunem and then an episode in her life where she went to Mount Carmel to retrieve Elisha, the man of God, because of a tragedy in her life. And so she rode 30 miles and then 30 miles back to bring the man of God to help her in a tragedy in her life. Thank you, Caleb. Her life experiences provided twofold benefit to us today. First, we're all encouraged through her life to develop character and faith before tragedy strikes. The importance of developing character and faith before tragedy. That's one of the, the um, benefits of this story. Another benefit to this story is that whether we're uh, a mom like she was, or a lady, or a gentleman, whoever we are, we're all encouraged as we honor the character and faith of this woman because it helps us to focus on mothers and the benefit and the value they bring into our life as they mold us with their character and their faith and pass to another generation the reality of what it means to walk with God. And so this, this episode has some really some good values. You know, Mother's Day gives us all an opportunity to see the value in our moms. I used to, I, as I said, I, I used to preach on Mother's Day in such a way that no mom could ever measure up because, you know, Proverbs 31 pictures the perfect mom. There's always something in there you can say, well, my mom wasn't like that, or I'm, I'm not like that, and feel down about it. I've learned that Mother's Day is an opportunity to find something good to say and say it. Find some positive characteristic and talk about it and promote it and build it up in the lives of those who've been precious and important to us over the years. Mother's Day gives us that opportunity to see value and appreciate our moms. You know, so much of our lives revolve around mom. It's kind of started out that way and uh, lasted that way for many years, and we never get away from it. Life, in many ways, revolves around moms. And you know, when mom's not there, life kind of really has a tendency to fall apart. Have you ever noticed that? Now, the quality on this little clip isn't good, but it's, it's probably one of my favorite little Mother's Day media clips of what it's like when mom's not there. world's going on you know how when you come home every day and ask me what I did today yeah well today I didn't do it doesn't that say it all when mom's not around things fall apart really fast thank God for moms In honor of moms today, we're going to, for the next few moments, focus our attention on this great woman, her character and her faith that enabled her to handle tragedy when it came into her life. You know, God's, God's perfect design was for men to be the spiritual leaders of their homes, for men to be the one who led the family in spiritual things. 
for men to be the one that suggests things in a spiritual direction. That's how God created the first family and taught through the Bible for the family to operate. Sometimes that's an ideal that's not realized. There are many times when dad is not the spiritual leader of the home. And a mom steps up to the plate. And she becomes a spiritual leader to her family in the absence of a husband that is providing that spiritual leadership. Too often in Christianity, it's the women who lead in spiritual things. And in such cases, many women have stood to the need and exemplified great character and great faith that has helped shape the lives of her children. And Christianity has greatly prospered by the service of those precious women. Billy Sunday, the old evangelist from a couple of generations back, was preaching on motherhood. And Billy Sunday was describing homes and where men lagged behind the wives in spiritual development. And here's what he said in a sermon. He said, you never hear of some old man unless they are fortunate enough to marry a woman who does things. And then the man's name is always mentioned in connection with what the wife has done. Well, that was Billy Sunday's observation of life in America when he was an evangelist going all over America preaching revival meetings and calling upon people to come back to God. He said the problem often is the men won't step up to the plate, but thank God for the women who do. We even know from the Proverbs 31 woman that her husband was known in the political realms of their nation because of the virtue that came from the life of her husband's wife. His, he was told that, we are told that her name, her character caused his name to be known in the gates of the city. And we thank God for the amazing work that women have done. Now, the simple record in front of us revolves around three episodes in this Shunammite woman's life. And in each episode, we see something of her greatness or her faith, either her character or her trust in God. They're not the same, but they're very much intertwined together. One's character and then their relationship to their God were both present in this woman's life. Unfortunately, she was the one who in this woman's family, she was the one that was leading the way in all that. And her husband was kind of on the sidelines. Let's look at these episodes. The first episode is that we, we, in the first episode, we find this great woman looking for opportunities to be a blessing. We see in verse number eight of the portion we read a moment ago, she was a great woman and she constrained him, Elisha, to eat bread. And so it was as Often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Now, put yourself back in the story in the Old Testament. Here's this man, Elisha. He walks by their house. And she sees him on occasion because he traveled throughout the northern kingdom preaching. Now, she didn't know he was a preacher. She didn't know he was a man of God. She just looked out her window and saw this man pass by. Maybe a week later, she saw him pass by again. Maybe a while later, she saw him pass by again. And, and she saw this individual passing by. And so she went out. The Bible says that she went out and she constrained him. That's an interesting statement. The word constrained means to be strong and to lay hold of and to, to, to try to force someone 
to do something, to constrain someone to do something. So get the picture in your mind. Here's this woman. She looks out her window. She sees this guy that's passed by her house uh, as he traveled from one village to another. And she had seen him multiple times over a period of time. And so one day she went out and she got him by the arm and she drug him back to the house, said, you're going to eat dinner with my husband and I. She constrained him to come and eat with them. You ever known a lady like that? Once they determine something they want to do for you, they won't take no for an answer. I mean, once they get something in their mind, they're going to make it happen whether you want it to happen or not. That was this woman. She was a person who looked for opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else even if they don't want the blessing. (laughs) She's generous. She wants to be a blessing. This woman looked for opportunities to share. She was generous. She was a generous person looking for opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else. You know, generosity is a great trait of character. Here's one of the reasons she was called a great woman. Because she was a woman who lived a life of generosity. She looked for opportunities where she could do something to help somebody else and to be a blessing to them. You know, generosity is an earmark of Christianity. Jesus Christ told the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember what Jesus told as a, as a, uh, it seemed to be a kind of a hypothetical story that Jesus told. We don't know if it was a, a real event or not, but Jesus told the story about a, about a, a person who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He fell among thieves. Uh, he was left by the side of the road, stripped of his possessions and wounded. And, and some people passed by. Some religious people passed by. A priest passed by. A Levite passed by. Different ones passed by. When they saw this guy lying on the side of the road, all beat up and bleeding, they walked on the other side of the road and would have nothing to do with him. But then somebody went by. A Samaritan. Someone who ethnically was despised by the Jewish people. And when he saw the man lying there, he not only stopped to help him, but he invested in him. He invested time and resources. He saw an opportunity. And when he saw an opportunity, he gave what he had to be able to meet the needs in that opportunity. And Jesus Christ highlighted that. Why? Because generosity is a characteristic of God and therefore of Christianity. It's a wonderful thing when you see generosity in action. You're going to be seeing the name Community Cares surface and float around in the ministries of CBC. The name, the, the name shouts generosity. That we as a community care about our community. And, and we want to do something for our community. It was just, uh, what, two weeks ago that uh, uh, Ratna and Kalyani uh, said that, uh, that they're going to be in their neighborhood. They were having some kind of a, uh, a community event. And so they, they said, uh, we rented a booth space. And we're going to be there giving out gospel literature and telling people about Community Baptist Church. And, and the Common Grounds class jumped in uh, with them. And, and, and so on that Saturday for a few hours, there was a group of CBC people out in the community saying to the community, we care about you. We care about you. Generosity is a characteristic of Christianity. Dulles South Clothes and food. This week, it's, it's a big clothing drive. Rod's in need of, of help here on Thursday to help uh, sort and fold all of the 
hundreds of pounds of food, uh, of clothing. We've already up in the balcony, one half of our balcony is, I think, maybe a third full right now of clothing that's been donated. And, uh, and there'll be stuff donated Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And Thursday is the big day to, to be able to sort and prepare all that for the Dulles South Clothing Giveaway to help people. And, and Rod has spearheaded efforts with Dulles South that our church could have a part in providing food for needy people and clothing for needy people. You know, generosity is just a characteristic of Christianity because it's a characteristic of God. This woman emulated a great character. What character? The trait of generosity. Looking for an opportunity. You know, as I think back over 27 years of ministering here at Community Baptist Church, of the ministries of Community Baptist, I, I, my mind goes to over and over and over and over again where some members heard about a need somebody had. And then they looked for a way to meet that need. Many times people have come to me with cash and said, I want so-and-so to receive this, but I don't want them to know where it came from. And I've taken that cash and given it to that person and asked them to write a note back mentioning the amount of cash so I could give it back to the person that gave me the cash to give to them. Throughout the history of CBC, there has been a, a, a generosity in the membership of CBC, of people who look for opportunities, people who, who when they hear of a need, they, 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 they're motivated to do something about that need because they're generous-hearted people. That's what this woman emulated. She was a great woman. Because her character was such that she looked for opportunities to be generous with other people. And then in verse number 9, verse 9 says, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man. I want you to notice, she had already been generous to this person, not knowing this person was a spiritual man, a man of God, a preacher. She was generous to this person, not because this person was a Christian. She was generous with this person because this person, she believed, had a need. He was on a journey. She could give him a place to rest, some food to eat. And it was only after multiple times that Elisha and Gehazi stopped on their journeys Staying there and in conversations, she looked at her husband one day after they left perhaps and she said to her husband, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. She was perceptive. You know, some people are perceptive and some people aren't. Some people, a bird could land on their head and build a nest and they wouldn't know it was there. They just don't know what's going on around them. Some people are perceptive. They see what others don't necessarily see. They realize what others may not realize. They become aware of things that other people didn't even take notice of. Here's a woman who's perceptive. She's focused on others, not herself. She's perceptive of the situations in other people's lives. It's her perception that caused her to say to her husband, we ought to build an addition onto the house. I mean, this guy, this guy travels by here regularly. We were out in a you know, small village. He's gone from who knows where to who knows where. We ought to go ahead and build a, an addition on the house. We got some sides on this side of the house. We got some yard space over there. If, if you'd, if you'd get, collect some stones and timber, you, you could build, uh, build a little extra room there on the house. We could, put, we could furnish it. We could put a table and a, and a, and a, and a bed. And, and we, could, we could have it all nice and ready so that whenever this person passes by, they can have a place to lie down and rest and eat and be refreshed. All this came because of her perception. By the way, this may be the 
origin of the concept of a prophet's chamber where churches dedicate a portion of the building to a room and they put in a bathroom and a shower and a and a room and then when evangelists or missionaries or preachers are that are visiting through the area they have a place to stop and they can and they can uh, have a place to rest and relax and a prophet's chamber that's what that's what she wanted her husband to do and he did it it was her idea she was the one that seemed to be more perceptive of spiritual and generous things it was always her idea but thank God her husband didn't shut her down with her ideas. It's bad enough when the husband's not the spiritual leader. It's even worse when he shuts down the spiritual leadership of his wife when she is spiritual. He didn't. He agreed to the idea. He built the, the place on the side of the house. He provided the things that, that could be used uh, by this individual. She was perceptive and moved into action to meet the needs of others. See, this is the character of her life. She was generous. She was, uh, she was perceptive. Verse number 10 of our text, the Bible says, let us uh, make this little chamber, let us, right here on the, on the wall, let us put a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be that when he cometh to us, he'll turn in thither. And so her generosity and her perception led to this and it came from the wife it came from the woman praise God for godly wives godly moms godly women she was a spiritual motivator in the absence of her husband's spiritual leadership let's look at the second episode it goes from verse 11 down through verse number 17 this woman is seen as, as uh, great because of her character, because of her faith. But I want you to notice something else. She was great because she was contented with her present blessings in life. Time passed, and Elisha and Gehazi would turn in, and one day uh, they, they turned in, and they were there. And in verse number 13, Elisha began to think, you know... We, we have received so much from this lady. Verse 13 says, uh, said, Thou hast been very careful. The word careful means full of care, right? Careful, full of care. You, you have been full of care for us with all this care that you've given us. You've given us a place to stay. You've given us meals over and over and over again. You've been so full of care for our needs and and." and what can we do for you? What is to be done for thee? Would you like us to put a good word into the king? Maybe go to the, the one who's in charge of the army and uh, put in a good word to, uh, uh, to him for you? Uh, maybe, maybe it is that uh, it'd be good for you in your uh, situation in life that you may have a need someday for a political favor from the politician or a a, a safety concern and, and to be known by the head of the army might, be, uh, uh, might, might come in handy someday. What can we do for you because of all that you've done for us? You may need something someday. Can we do something for you to show our appreciation? And do you see how she responded? She said, I'm fine. I dwell with my own people. I don't need a politician. I don't need a military general. I've got a husband. I've got whatever family in the village. I don't need some outside favor. My family takes care of me. What a statement of her contentment in the situation she's in with her family. Elijah uh, suggests these things, but she turned him down because she's content. You know, wouldn't it be neat if that kind of character existed in America today? The people were content and didn't need a political favor. I heard Kate. Uh, 
Cole James once in person a number of years ago. K. Cole James is currently the Secretary of the Commonwealth of Virginia. She has served in the federal, uh, at the federal level under three presidents. Uh, up until partway through last year, she was the president of the Heritage Foundation, a large conservative think tank that is used to influence public policy. K. Cole James has quite an illustrious career if you read about her and study what she's accomplished and where she's been. I heard her years ago tell a little bit about her life story. She's an African-American lady that was born and raised on the wrong side of the tracks in Richmond and Roanoke. She was from a poor family that didn't have anything on the wrong side of the tracks. The kind of place where Needing a political favor is commonplace. Living on welfare, accepting the tax dollars of working people so that I don't have to work. By the way, we've had a lot of that this last couple of years. People who won't work because the government will send them a check and they can make more not working. You know where the money comes from? Outside of the printing presses underneath the White House. You know where the money comes from? It's called tax dollars that working people have confiscated from them to be able to give out to people, some of whom won't work because they would rather take your money and live on it. Now, in the Bible, that's called stealing, thievery. When you don't have enough character, the Bible says six days shall a man work. There is dignity in work. Accepting somebody else's labor so that you don't have to work, is stealing. That is a lack of character. K. Cole James was raised in in a culture of that, but she was raised by an aunt that wouldn't have any part of that. And her aunt said to her, according to K. Cole James, she said, my aunt taught me as I grew up, she said, after I get through raising you, you won't need Washington. And she didn't because she was raised with character, with a work ethic, with a contentment to be content with what you can produce rather than living off somebody else's production. And this great woman from Shunem turned down the favors that were offered to her because she was content with what her family provided for her. I'm fine just with my family. You know, it's a matter of character when you work hard. It's also a matter of character when you're content with what you are able to produce. Contentment. I put down three verses, I think. First Timothy, Proverbs, and Hebrews. The Bible has a lot to say about being content with what you have and not living the rat race of trying to always get more, 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 more. Contentment is a matter of character. And this great woman was a great woman because she was generous with what she had, because she was perceptive of needs, always looking for opportunities, because in her own life, She was content with what her family provided for her and turned down outside favors. She was great. And so, as God so often does, even though she didn't want to be rewarded for her actions, she didn't ask for favors, God rewarded her as a great woman of character. What did God do? Well, Elisha says, you know, she she won't accept our our offers. What what can we do? And Gehazi says, well, you know, she she doesn't have any kids. And and, and her husband's getting older and older and older. And it's kind of looking kind of, she probably won't have any kids. And so Elisha called her in and told her that she was going to have a son. God rewarded her 
even though she was content without anything beyond. And then God stepped in and God rewarded her. And you know what's interesting? I was thinking about this in relation to Mother's Day. She was a great woman before she was a mom. It's not that becoming a mom makes you a great woman. It's when you're a great woman and you become a mom, you become a great mom. Because you're a great woman of character. And you become a great mom. And we're all thankful for our moms. For that character in their lives that they passed on to us in helping us. Let me show you this final episode before we go home. In verses 18 to 37, tragedy came into her life. Tragedy. The, the bottom line up front, the bluff of the message was, you have to develop character and faith in God before tragedy strikes. Oftentimes, tragedy finally does strike. Our ability to handle tragedy in life is related to the character we built before the tragedy struck. As it's been said, you can't prepare for the test after the test starts. You've got to prepare before in order to do well in the test. And I learned from this great woman that she became a great woman before God blessed her with a child and the eventual tragedy struck. The tragedy was the death of her son. We read the passage earlier in the service. One day her son who was out in the fields with his dad working with the reapers, his, his head began to throb. Dad, dad, my head, my head, my head. And, and the dad had somebody take him back home to his mother. She went back home. He went back home. And she was, he was there with, her, with his mom for a period of time, and then he died. Tragedy had struck the life of this great woman. Tragedy struck in the life of this woman who was known for her character and her greatness. How do you handle tragedy when it strikes? I got an email earlier this morning. A preacher friend of mine here in Virginia. His granddad brought a group of men here on different occasions when we were building this building and built walls and did drywall work. And, and uh, now the dad's in heaven that came and did that. And his son is pastoring the church that his dad had pastored back when they came and helped us with some work crews. I got a email this morning that that current pastor that yesterday his seven-month-old grandchild, grandson, died. They found him unresponsive. And he went on home to be with the Lord. Tragedy has a way of striking at the most inopportune times the day before Mother's Day. And so there's a pastor and his wife and his kids, and a mom and a dad and a family that are grieving today because tragedy struck yesterday and ripped from their grasp the precious little seven-month-old son that they were raising. What we see in this story is that this great woman was able to overcome tragedy. How did she overcome the tragedy? She overcame the tragedy because of the depth of her confidence in God. She said to her husband, she said, get me, get me a, a donkey, get me someone. I, I've got to go to, I got to go, I got to go to the man of God. He's up on Mount Carmel, 30 miles away. I've got to get there. And the husband looked at her and said, what do you want to go there today for? It's not Sunday. Why are you going to go to church today? It's not Sunday. He said to them, it was, it's, not a, it's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath day. It's not a, a spiritual event that you need to go and be where the man of God is. Why, why today? And she said, everything's going to be okay. 
She had faith that everything was going to be okay. She got on that donkey, the driver, the guy that was driving the donkey, I don't know if it was one donkey or a cart or what it was, but there was, a, there was someone driving it, and she said, she said, don't worry about me, I'll hang on. You just drive like you've never driven before. If it gets too much, I'll, I'll holler. But, uh, but don't, don't slack off your driving for fear of my comfort. Go! 30 miles up to Mount Carmel. Elisha sees her coming and recognizes her. When she gets close enough, he says to Gehazi, that's that Shunammite woman coming. Go out there and meet her. And ask her, is everything okay with you? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with your child? And, and Gehazi rode out there and met her and she said, everything's fine. And, and kept on going to get to, a, to Elisha. And told Elisha that her son was dead. Elisha said, Gehazi, go. Take my staff. Go on ahead of us. Their animal was probably weary from a 30-mile race. She was probably wore out from a 30-mile race. He said, Gehazi, take my staff and go. Go ahead of us and get there. Lay the staff on the young boy. And then Elisha and the mom went at a slower pace. Gehazi got there, laid the staff on the child's face and nothing happened. He went back out, back up the road to Elisha and the mom and said, nothing happened. So Elisha and the mom continue to come. They get there. The Bible again reaffirms that the child is dead. Elisha goes up, closes the door in this little chamber that they had built onto the house where she had laid her son. He went in and he laid his body prostrate across the body of this little boy. And, and the boy's flesh began to warm up, but he still was dead. He still no life. Elisha left the room and closed the door and paced back and forth. Then he went back in again. Laid himself across the boy's body and the boy sneezed seven times. Opened his eyes. And Elisha went out and said to his mom, you can come in and get your son. Now, tragedies don't always end up that way. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, by faith they overcame this, by faith they overcame this, by faith they overcame this, by faith the mouths of lions were shut, by faith the fire didn't burn them up, by faith, by faith, by faith. But then, Hebrews 11 says, and others, and others were sawn asunder in a hollow log. By faith they were sawn asunder and killed. By faith they were martyred. By faith they died. Some, trage some tragedies turn out with a reversal of the circumstances. Some tragedies turn out with the escape from the circumstances by being taken to heaven. And the healing is the healing of going into the presence of God. We don't get to choose how our circumstances turn out, how our tragedies turn out. But when we have confidence in God that He is bigger than my problems and He knows more than I know and He's good and He will, he will always be good. And sometimes in his goodness, he takes somebody home to be with him. And sometimes in his goodness, he heals them to let them live with their family. And because this Shunammite woman was a great woman, she was able to accept the results. Fortunately for her, the results were that she had her son restored to her. But it was her faith in God that enabled her to say to her husband, everything's going to be okay. It was her faith in God that took her to someone. You see, this was back in the day before she had a Bible to read in her tragedy. 
This was at a time in history when, when she, she didn't have a church of people to cry with and pray with in her tragedy. This is a time in history. The, the, the only thing she felt she could do was get to the man of God to help her. Our New Testament tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. If we are people of character and faith, we can overcome our tragedies, even if our tragedies don't turn out the way we would prefer for them to turn out. That's what I learned from this great woman. Such a beautiful poster child for motherhood. For women. Mothers are not. Whom God created with some character traits that are like him. That he puts in women sometimes to a deeper degree than he puts into men. And this great woman of Shunem is a wonderful poster child of the beauty and value of womanhood and even of, of motherhood, of being great and being faithful to God. You know, tragedies are hard, though, to go through. We've all had tragedies of some kind and, and we could swap stories and our, the end result of our tragedies wouldn't be the same. But we know when you're going through a tragedy, it's, it's hard. You need all the character you've developed before the tragedy. And you need all the faith that you've built with God before the tragedy. To be able to deal with the tragedy. I was in a preacher's meeting years ago here in Virginia... A man by the name of Lynn Hardaway was preaching. At the time, he was the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Lynn Hardaway was preaching that day, and he told a story about a family in their church that attended the church for a period of time, uh, a dad and a mom and a, and a son. And the family moved away, moved away or stopped coming to the church. I don't remember which, but, but they weren't there for a period of time. And during the period of time they weren't at the church, the husband left his wife and left his son. And uh, after the, the, the mom had been abandoned by her husband, she and her son came back to the church. They were looking for some place where they could find help and encouragement, a, a family of people that would, that would help them through the tragedies of their life. The son was a young adult by this time, and... and uh, he was trying hard to get a job. He, there was a particular job for the State Department that he was, he, he had spent a lot of time and work and effort to try to land this job with the State Department, but he didn't hear anything back and he didn't hear anything. All he got was silence. And their lives were troubled, abandoned by a husband and a dad, struggling to make ends meet, a son trying so hard to get a job, and, and silence. And one day, Pastor Lynn Hardaway's phone rang, and it was the police department, and they said, we need you to come to this address. The mom had found her son in his bedroom where he had killed himself. All the troubles mounted up. The silence from the State Department became life unbearable for him, I guess, to the point where he decided he would not continue his life. But the striking thing is Lynn Hardaway, Pastor Hardaway, shared this story. The Thursday after the son committed suicide, a letter arrived from the State Department offering him the job. He had gotten the job. And Lynn Hardaway said that I never forgot it. He said, when you're going through hard times, hold on until Thursday. Hold on until Thursday. Hold on until Thursday. 
Because if that young man had just held on just a few more days, everything was going to be all right. This great woman was great before she was a mother. She was great before she knew Elisha, the man of God. She was great because she had developed character in her life. Generosity, perception, contentment. And on top of the character that had been built in her life, she had developed a relationship with God where she trusted him with everything. And even in the midst of facing a horrible tragedy, her heart was, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but everything's going to be okay. And she becomes a great picture of someone that was able to handle their tragedy because of their character and faith. God help us to be like that. Men, women, moms, singles, young people, teenagers, children. You can't prepare for the tragedy after the tragedy gets here. So develop character in your life. Develop a relationship with God whereby you trust him with everything, regardless of anything. And then just hold on until the answer comes and God helps you through the tragedy of your life. So on Mother's Day, there's the poster child of an amazing mom. She was great as a mom because she was great as a woman before she became a mom. And her greatness and faith carried her through every situation in her life.